And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Uh, hello, everybody. Good uh, morning or afternoon or evening, depending on uh, when you're listening to this. I don't know. I don't know. I'm recording it at 12.01, so technically it would be afternoon. It is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. This is where you say, does everybody know what Thursday is? And you're like, yeah, it's leg day. Uh-huh. And it actually was for me today. So um, we have a very... Uh, I'm not going to lie. Very mediocre show for you today. <laughs> I've got some some topics to cover here, some interesting news, some tidbits, some um, uh, topics from listeners that we're going to cover as well. So um, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, uh, there's some, you, you may hear some stuff. I don't know how well this microphone picks things up. I know that like when the mailman or the UPS guy shows up, um, what was that? My computer's making some noises here. Um that uh, Taz will start going absolutely bonkers, and I know that you, I know that it picks that up, and I know that you can hear that. Um, but we do have some landscapers working outside today, uh, and they're uh, putting in our our patio, which is kind of like a flagstone cobblestone kind of patio, and it's kind of big, and there's going to be a fire pit built into it. So expect some pics of that because we are stoked. Um, really excited, but they're doing a lot of hammering and banging out there. So, you know, if you hear any weird stuff, it will be faint and probably just during the um, very brief and I'm sure well-appreciated pauses between my incessant rambling on. So, um, yeah. So what do we got here? Um, a couple things I want to go over. Um, first of all, the the quick update. And once again, I just, I, I can't say enough about how nice y'all are. So a lot of the feedback that I get, um, on, on podcasts and all the well wishes for dad, I appreciate that. And, uh, when I go see him again soon, I will tell him as well. So thank you. I, I really appreciate it. So update is, you know, progressing slowly, um, very slowly, you know, the, the goal from the physician, from his doctors, uh, team of doctors is we don't want any bad days. We don't want anything bad to happen basically. And nothing bad has happened. There've been some very good developments that have been very small, um, we did get news yesterday that he's probably going to be in the ICU for one to two more weeks. We were kind of hoping for days, um, but apparently weeks. They're just playing it safe, and you know he's very stable right now, which is great. Um, plugged into all kinds of things, but getting you know various things unplugged um, now and then, and every one of those things that gets out of his body is a chance uh, is one less chance for something to get infected, which is one of the biggest concerns that we have at this stage. So, um, it's slowly improving, you know, it's, it's going to be a really slow process, but, uh, we're moving in the right direction at least. So, um, today is Thursday, the 14th, a week from tomorrow, I will be flying out to Oregon to uh, go hang with everybody for the weekend again. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, wow. I should probably edit that out, but you know what? I'm lazy and I'm not going to. Sorry, uh, you just have to have to roll with it. I did just find out that the uh, credit card that I use for everything um, actually collects miles. So I'm like, oh, shoot, I wonder what I can cash those in for. I got about one flight's worth of miles saved up. So, um, yeah, that's kind of nice. So um, what else is going on here? Um, news of the day. So has anybody heard about this uh, this person out of Dallas, um, Brittany Dawn? Um, she's in the news and it is relevant because she is, uh, like me, basically. Um, I'm not sure how, how to qualify that. She, she is a, a fitness coach. Now she is a fitness influencer, which, uh, uh I hate it because her, her influence right now is 
shit. <laughs> like we don't need her influence in this industry. So um, this is uh, from the Dallas Morning News, um, and this was posted yesterday. So I'd read about this a couple times, and this is the follow-up here. So um, the uh, headline is, quote, I'm done hiding Texas fitness influencer Brittany Dawn suspends personal coaching as clients wait for refunds. Um, so this person um, is uh, one of many um, that make me or, or by, by association the, the industry in which I operate and therefore by association me look bad. So Brittany Dawn, I am, I am calling on you to hang it up. Um, get out of this industry because clearly you are not fit for it. And we do not need any more people like you in here. And there are plenty of other people who have similar experiences. She's just the one that, for whatever reason, is getting caught up in this storm here. So um, a couple of snippets here. Um, uh, so the, the idea is, you know, she is uh, um, basically being accused of not delivering on promises, like not delivering on programs, having, you know, horrible follow-ups, just not sending things to people. Um and so uh, several of her, her clients have called her out. And, you know, this is somebody who has, she said, it says um, about 550,000 followers on Instagram, 300,000 subscribers on YouTube, which just goes to show you the more exposure you have does not necessarily mean you are good or even operating at a base level of competence um, because she clearly is not. And that is, if you read this um, article, if you just search for, Brittany Dawn Fitness on Google, you'll get all the latest news um, on this, and it, it would be worth checking out just to get the full uh, the the full story. It says, um, women who bought personal training services from Davis, Brittany Davis is her actual name, claim she's been accepting clients' money for years with little to no communication about training, sent them generic workout plans, and went silent when they began seeking refunds. Um, and then she was called out um, through a uh, YouTube video um, uh uh, on this topic that then went viral. Um, she, uh, issued an apology video, um, which did not satisfy anybody. Um, and then, so now she has a, a business manager and a public relations team. And, you know, when, when you have to hire a manager and a public relations team because of, uh, something bad that's going on, you know that you're not, uh, you're, you're not going in the right direction at all. So apparently there have been death threats with, you know, uh, okay, I, I will call her out as being a lousy trainer that should probably get out of the industry, but that's uncalled for, you know, we, we <laughs> come on now. If, if I was late on somebody's, uh, check-in responding and, uh, which to be clear, I really never am. Uh, but, uh, if I was and somebody started sending me a death threat, I'd be like, you know what? You're the crazy one here, not me. So everybody just needs to take a chill pill and let's, you know, agree that we can call somebody out in a rational and normal and thought out way without resorting to threats of violence, which is stupid. See, there we go. That's Taz. So do it again, buddy. There we go. So I can I can see the meters peak here on my uh, recording software. <laughs> this is making for a compelling podcast, I know. Okay, so I had to actually pause there. Hey, where are you going? <laughs> Taz came back down like he was done, but now he's going back upstairs. So, uh, yeah. So, um, I told you this is going to be a mediocre show. I wasn't kidding. I wasn't kidding. Um, so, quotes from this article. Um, uh, Davis continues. Uh, th this is from a a Good Morning America interview. And so, when you're embroiled in a scandal and Good Morning America comes calling... 
uh, it, I would recommend it's probably best to just, you know, get get everything right and then do that. <laughs> because her quote is, it breaks my heart because I have such passion for the health and fitness industry. To know that I let someone down, even just one person, it breaks me and it really upsets me and I'm doing everything I can to make it right. See, that is a hollow statement because you know you've been doing that and you've been making money and you've been totally cool with it because you've been getting away with it. So knock it off. If you have a passion for the health and fitness industry, do it the biggest favor you can and get out of it because you don't belong in it. Uh, I would argue you don't really belong in any industry if you can't have some level of professional accountability and follow up. If people are trusting you to help them with something like this and they're actually sending you money for it and then you just don't follow up, I mean, good Lord, what is wrong with you? I mean, that, that, that points to a severe defect in how your brain is programmed. If you feel okay with that and if you try to portray yourself as being the victim here, uh, you're doing everything you can to make it right. I mean, you need to go back and just do what you said you were going to do when you said you were going to do it. It's really pretty simple. It doesn't take a whole lot of uh, <laughs> doesn't take doesn't take a whole lot of uh, uh, smarts and brain power and business acumen to figure that out. So um, let's see. Uh, well, there, there are other things here that were in the article. So this is somebody. This is from um, Emily Campbell. Um, who bought coaching services from Davis in 2017 as part of a holiday accountability challenge. I'm using finger quotes there. Side note, I will never do a challenge or anything like that um, just because this is why. Um, here's a, if, you, if you have a sign-up for a challenge or something like that and it is from somebody's account um, online who has half a million followers, how much individual attention do you think you're going to get there? I mean, let's just be realistic about that. The answer is zero. And apparently, uh, the answer is you might not even get anything at all. Um, Campbell said she paid extra for text message check-ins with Davis that were intended to provide healthy accountability to women trying to make transformational changes in their lives, the kind of, David, uh, kind of changes Davis touted in her own life and on her social media accounts. Campbell didn't hear back from Davis within the 48-hour guaranteed response period for her first check-in. 48 hours, by the way, being extremely generous. A... Generic response came the following week, she said, and subsequent responses dwindled after that. On top of that, Campbell said, the majority of the resources and plans Davis provided her uh, with were in PDFs locked behind a password, and she was never able to access them. Kudos. Good business model you have there. So uh, th this is easy. I mean, th this is piling on, and, and it doesn't take any kind of a genius to say, well, this is just completely irresponsible. But this really, if I can, if I can use a, uh, a really dumb term, this really chaps my hide because um, this gets at the core of what I do. And it pisses me off to know that there are people out there like this that are just willing to you know, do whatever it takes to make a buck. And these challenge groups are just the bane of my existence because it is such an obvious money grab where there's very little actually happening behind the scenes. Like, you know, when somebody says, you know, oh, you, you know, as part of my challenge group, you get your customized macros, you get all this. It's like, yeah, custom, but it's not individualized. Meaning what you get is a PDF where, okay, there's a, a you know, okay, what gender am I? Okay, how much do I weigh? Okay, well, here's what my macros should be. You're reading it from a table. I mean, let's get real here. That's what happens with these kind of things. There's no individual attention in this kind of stuff. I mean, think, think about her. She's got, you know, half a million Instagram followers. Whatever small percentage of those actually pay money and sign up for a challenge, it's still a ton of people. Um, and so she's raking it in 
and her phone is blowing up all day, I'm sure, with text messages. What do you think you're going to get from that? And, you know, the, the, what, what I always pride myself on, I mean, you know, I, I maintain a pretty healthy client base, but it's always a, a number of people that I can manage and I feel comfortable with without um, shorting anybody. I always want to make sure that, you know, if you're working with me, it doesn't feel like you're one of 500 that are working with me. You know, I don't want my responses to be brief or anything like that. So when somebody contacts me through my website, there is no form reply or anything like that. You know, same day, I'm going to get back to you um, with, you know, a, a response that is as thorough as it needs to be. And sometimes I will sit down and write a, a full page or more to somebody. It just depends on, you know, what kind of information they're giving me. Sometimes they're not giving me a lot. They're saying, hey, I want to compete this year. Do you have openings? I'm like, yeah, I do. Tell me more. You know, here's some questions. Let, let, let's have a conversation. And other times they give me the, a, a much more expansive backstory. And I, I just want to acknowledge that. I want to acknowledge the time they put into it. I want to respond in kind and say, I appreciate that. Thank you. Congrats on this. That's great information. Um, you know, a couple follow-up questions here and there. And then we dig a little bit deeper and look forward from there. But you know, if I get to a point where I'm like, God, I just don't have time to respond to these people. That's where I have to do a quick timeout, reassess and be like, wait, what's go? Why am I doing this? And thankfully that hasn't happened yet. So anyway, th this was something I saw in the news and it just absolutely got my blood boiling. I was pissed. So, um, what do we got? We got a couple questions here. Um, so this is one from, uh, Lana, who's a client of mine. Thanks, Lana. Um, she said she's not a phone talker. So she, uh, she just wrote me an email and she had a conversation with somebody, um, who was, you know, kind of, kind of, you could tell the conversation was kind of fishing a little bit. Like, are you into bodybuilding? You look great. How's your nutrition? And, you know, she's like kind of annoyed at this point. Um, what do you do before and after workout? And the conversation turns into an isogenics commercial. So, um, which obnoxious. Um, she says, uh, quoting from her email here, he wanted me to try his products and actually told me that my nutrition was not what I needed to look good on stage. Because as we know, isogenics is a critical component of contest prep, right? Yeah, we all know that, I'm sure. Um, she says, that was my interjection, by the way. Uh, continuing with Lana's words. Now, I eat real clean foods, a.k.a. clean bulking. I've always preferred actual food. Protein shakes have always been my last resort if I did not get the protein macros in. That was a long time ago. Her question is, and it is not only about isogenics. Um, she's not trying to single any companies out. Uh, Darren interjection here. I will single them out um, because I think isogenics in particular is, uh, well, I mean, just like you have, you've, you've said here, um, they, they kind of promote a level of invasiveness that I'm not happy with. Um, and any company that touts like, oh, well, you know, clearly our products are the answer. No, no products are the answer. None are. And so I, I will take issue with any company that um, pushes any kind of narrative like that. Isogenics is one of the first that comes to my mind. They're certainly not the only one, but I'm happy to individually call out any company like that. Um, I, I would say Advocare is another one. Um, so anytime where you have somebody selling a product that it has a abnormally invested interest in it. So these, you know, um, distributors as they call them, like if somebody's working at vitamin shop, you know, they have an interest in selling you stuff, but not necessarily a huge interest in any particular brand. Like, well, this is a product that might work for you. And uh, you know, in that family of product, we have these options. This is one I personally like, blah, blah. This is one I've heard good things about. I'm like, you, know, you can have a conversation about how essential any of that stuff is, but you know, you're not getting a completely skewed report there, but somebody whose livelihood depends on you buying a specific product from them or one of, you know, several products that they, um, distribute. No, no, I'm not good with that. Um, which is why I will never be a shill for any supplement company. Um, 
I just I don't feel comfortable. I don't I don't think most of that stuff is really essential. Um, and you know, for for stuff that is really helpful, it has nothing to do with the brand. You know, it has to do with the product. Um, so if somebody's like, well, I'm taking you know berberin to help me regulate my blood sugar. Okay, well, great. I don't freaking care which brand of it you take. Just take it. You know, it's all largely the same. Um, or, or that is, you know, quali- the, the quality of it is not up for debate. Now, the purity of it from one brand to the next, maybe. But, uh, you know, typically it, it's the products that are um, sold and marketed as sports supplements, like bodybuilding supplements, that are a bigger issue. Berberin is sold as more of like a general health supplement. So you have uh, all of the, uh, the products like, you know... Um, Oh, what are they like? Nature's Way now. All of those brands that are, you know, probably a little bit more reputable um, than your standard, you know, sports nutrition slash bodybuilding supplement company. Um, so I'm less less suspicious of those. And at, at that point, you know, one brand versus the other, who cares? You know, what's less expensive? What has the serving size you need? That's what matters more. Getting back to Lana, uh, Lana, sorry. Um, it, it, she said, uh, blah, 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 uh, am I really not getting everything I need from what I eat is her question. So I think I've answered that. that that's BS. No. Um, do I have to drink protein shakes to get the results that you want? No. Um, what he said, this guy that she's having a conversation with, kind of made me a little aware, and now I'm wondering if I should be adding shakes back into the diet. What she does before workout, usually eat lunch with good carbs, protein, and after the workout, have a snack, also yummy stuff with carbs and protein, um, to each their own, but wondering if I need whatever is in the shake. So the answer is no. Um, what what are in those shakes, the stuff that we care about? So let me, uh, let me actually pull up um, Isogenics. I hate even Googling this stuff. Um, just because I don't want to give them hits on their website, but nonetheless, I'll I'll, I'll take that uh, take that hit here. So, um, let's see. Um, ba, ba, ba. Mm, come on, Google, help me out here. Okay, Isogenics on Amazon. Sure, why not? So this is a uh, a powder. Um, so it's let's see the the prices on this stuff is the other thing here so this is a 30 ounce container and what what's the nutritional information on this here it is so um, serving size two scoops so this would be <laughs> wow two scoops of this gets you 24 grams of protein so and there are 14 servings per container so for a guy if you're trying to have a 15 um, or I'm sorry a 50 gram protein shake here for guys you're looking at seven of those. Um, in uh, in in one of these uh, one of these containers, seven of those, and this is fifty six dollars on Amazon for seven shakes. So the macros on this are twenty four grams of protein per two scoops, twenty four grams of carbs, six grams of fat. So you've got a protein carb ratio at one to one, which you know, uh, first of all, time out. That's awful. You know, uh, for <laughs> for a protein shake, especially. I mean, they they advertise this as like a weight loss shake. So eat your carbs. Don't drink them. I'm sorry. Um, drinking carbs is is dumb unless you're really going for, you know, you're, you're trying to maximize and really get some intro workout carbs in. Okay, great. Um, or if you're if you're trying to grow and it's to the point where it's like, I've got to eat so much, I might as well just drink some of them too. Otherwise, if you're at a caloric deficit and you're drinking your carbs, you're making things more difficult than you have to be because the appetite monster is going to come rearing its ugly head and make your life more difficult than it has to be. So eat your carbs. And if you're taking in a protein shake that has a one-to-one protein-to-carb ratio, that's a problem. Um, Six, and, and it has nothing to do with, oh, uh, biologically, it's just so much less effective. Like, no, it's common sense. Eat your food because it's going to be more filling that way. 
you know, uh, for 24 grams of carbs, that could be like, you know, three rice cakes, which you would actually get a chance to chew and crunch something, experience some texture, have something sit in your stomach, or you can drink this shake and uh, it, it doesn't feel like you're having anything other than a protein shake. Yeah, you know what I mean there? Um, so what what else is in this? What uh, Can I get some ingredients here? There we go. Oh, God. So there's a billion ingredients in it. Um, let's look at the, the vitamin profile here. Not that we really care about this. Um, it's high in B12. Um, it's moderate in a lot of things. 40% of your daily, daily iodine. Um, I'm looking at things that are harder to get. So it's 14% iron, but it's not going to be a super high quality iron if it's not coming from a direct food source. 30% calcium, once again, not terribly absorbable. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really impressed by this. And for the price tag, I mean, I realize that they've got to put a spin on this to justify a price tag like that. But damn, I mean, that, that's intense. That is intense. Now, $56 for what amounts to seven shakes, or if you're a woman and you're going for a, a smaller protein serving, 14 shakes. Good Lord. That's pricey as hell. Um, now, as for Lana's question, like, you know, do, do I need protein shakes? You don't need them. And, you know, I work with a lot of clients that get all their protein from solid food. All their meals are solid. Um, right now, I'm taking in two shakes a day. And for me, that is entirely 100%. For convenience. That is it. And so it is a great convenience option. There is nothing essential or I would say even, you know, more useful about a protein shake outside of convenience. Like, you know, on my way out of the gym, I can take my shaker cup, I can throw some water in it, mix it up, and boom, I've got my post-workout protein in um, before I've hit the first stoplight coming out of the gym. And uh, for me, you know, trying to, at this point, trying to work in six meals a day, it's all about the timing. Um, like, okay, when can I take a break here? When can I take a break there? Okay. This is a good time to go get one in. All right, cool. So, um, getting a meal in as I'm driving home from the gym is really convenient because then I have time for that to sit in my system. So then the next meal for me is around, you know, 12, 1230, something like that, which is a great time for it. And it's all about spacing it. But if I had to come home from the gym, um, cook something up and eat it, suddenly I'm pushing all these other meals back and then it's, it's harder to, to work everything in. So it's a convenience option more than anything else. But what do, uh, what do protein shakes have, you know, uh, aside from, you know, the macros on this, which are terrible, I think, you know, the, all the carbs, the trace fats as well are really high. So if you're on restricted macros and you're trying to work something like this in, it's going to eat up a lot of those numbers from actual food that you could be having, like I said before. Um, the other thing, you know, what, what is in a protein shake? It's essential amino acids. That's what it is. So um, whether it's food, whether it's a protein shake, it doesn't matter. All of your complete protein sources have all of your essential amino acids in them. So it doesn't really matter what you get it, get, get it from. I know you can talk to, you know, you can find a lot of high-level old-school bodybuilders who say you should always have steak or red meat post-workout. Um, but then again, look at all of the people who have been successful who have never done that once. Um, a lot of people say, well, when you're in prep, you really need to have fish three to four times a day. Look at all of the people who have been successful who have never done that. Um, all of the bodybuilders who have been successful who have never laid eyes on an Isogenics product. Um, I would say that's probably most of them. <laughs> so the, the fact that you need any one thing is um, it is a false narrative being pushed by people with an agenda or people that are really stuck in their ways. Like I don't think, you know, <laughs> I don't think the, the industry that we might call big steak, um, I don't think that they're pushing like, you know, red meat as a post-workout option. But I've worked with coaches who advocate for that. And honestly, it's a giant pain in the ass. Like I'm not good at cooking a steak and certainly doing it every day. 
Uh, good Lord. I mean, who has time for that? I know a lot of people do. I'm not one of them. Um, and that is not some, that is something I refuse to mass prep in advance. Like if I'm going to have steak, I'm not cooking it up for four or five days and then reheating it. No, come on, come on. I've got some standards that ain't happening. So the point being to, to answer Lana's question, um, no, there's nothing essential about that. There's really nothing essential about any given food. Um, I tried to demonstrate that during my last prep by doing as much of it as I could without resorting to chicken at all. And I made it, I think about, uh, 13, 14 weeks in before I finally had to relent, um, just out of, you know, dwindling options. Like when I did cut out protein shakes, um, I was experiencing some digestive issues with eggs. So I had to pull out an egg meal and then eventually it's like, well, I guess I got to bring in some chicken, not because it was particularly helpful or there was something in it that I needed, but because, uh, you know, it had to be something. So it ended up being that. Um, and then she had a follow-up question. Practice suits, yay or nay? Would love to buy one uh, if it will help in the long run. I think so, just because if you get a practice suit that has a similar cut to what you wear on stage, um, but it's just plain, um, so clearly it's going to cost significantly less, um, I think it can be useful. And then that helps with, you know, consistency and progress picks. So, you know, if you've got an outfit where you're consistently, you know, wearing it the same, I, I don't know if, you know, whether that's, you know, just... Uh, underwear or some booty shorts and a sports bra um, versus a practice, a practice suit. If you can be consistent with that from week to week with what you're wearing, that's what really matters. But um, I think it can help because it's going to sit on you differently than, you know, other attire that you might wear for progress picks. And so in that case, it's going to more closely resemble the fit of an actual competition suit. So you can get a little bit more comfortable with it, with its coverage, um, with how it wants to, you know, slip and slide around, how it wants to pull. And then you can start to see like how lines develop, like where the straps go up over your shoulder, how it sits in relation to your traps and your delts. Um, you might move a little bit differently to bring certain things out. So I think it's a, it's a good idea if you can find one for minimal expense. And these are all things that are, you know, just off the rack. So um, there's not really a lot of custom work done for posing suits. So I don't think it's a bad idea at all. Um, I certainly wouldn't advocate against it. So now we do have um, a couple of uh, couple of messages from this week. So let's get to them and let's go to the phones right now and see what we got. Hey, Darren, this is Tasha from Temple, Texas. I have a caveat to my fasted cardio question I had submitted the other day. Sorry. Um, I was curious because you had played with intermittent fasting yourself, so I wanted to know what your thoughts are on fasted weight training. Um, I guess this kind of stems from, you know, working on prep right now where you do fasted cardio and then you need to train and then you have to do post-cardio. So I'm just curious about your thoughts on that. And uh the same thoughts that I questions that I had previously on that, like the muscle breakdown and is it okay to go from faster cardio into weight training? And then also your thoughts on HMB, uh, the uh, supplement. And <laughs> I'm going to botch this name, but um, Yohain Bean, I think is how it's spelled or stated. I think it's Y-O-H-I-M. B-I-N-E, I think. Um, so I'm just curious on your thoughts on taking that during, inter, uh, excuse me, faster cardio. Thanks for everything. Bye. All right, Tasha. Thank you again. So um, a couple of good questions there. With um, um, intermittent fasting and fasted training, I've never, uh, never been an advocate of fasted training. And so my experimentation with it previously, here's the thing. I mean, I, I knew that um, in order for it to work for me, 
there were certain things that I had to employ with it regarding timing. Otherwise, it was going to be a failed experiment. It just wasn't going to work. So, and that is, um, I had to eat at night. I had to have my my feeding window encompass the nighttime. So. Um, I settled on a feeding window of noon to 8 p.m. for my eight hours, and then I would fast from 8 p.m. until noon the following day. So that's my 16-hour fasting window. Um, the problem is um, I like to train in the morning, and I, uh, I refuse to train much later than starting at like 9 or 10 in the morning, which means that um, I would go in and I would train fasted, and then I wouldn't have any post-workout nutrition after that either. So um, a couple of things that I noticed there. And that, that was just out of stubbornness. I knew that wasn't optimal, but you know, it was just like, well, if I'm going to try this, I'm going to do it. So if I had to do it again, you know, I'm pretty adamant on both of those things. Like I need some calories at night and I need to train in the morning. So if I had to do it again, I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't do it again. You know, I just don't think, I mean, I, I did enjoy the convenience of it, but I didn't find that it was really doing anything for me. Um, you know, it was not helping me, uh, you know, shed uh, fat at any more appreciable weight. Now, granted, at the time, I was just a little under maintenance. I wasn't actively trying to do a lot of cutting or anything like that, but um, I, I did not feel any change. Like It did not feel different. I felt hungry in the late morning hours, especially after training. Um, I, I will say that um, I didn't feel like my training intensity really took much of a hit. Also, at that point, I remember my training intensity was not exactly balls to the wall. You know, I wasn't exactly setting the world on fire. So that, you know, 6 out of 10 level, I was able to maintain that while training fasted. Um, I would not say I got anywhere with it. I don't think I made any progress. I don't think I lost any muscle. I don't think I gained any. Um, I just kind of held steady. So I, I, but if you're in prep or you're actively trying to grow, um, intermittent fasting is, well, if you're in prep, intermittent fasting is fine. If you're trying to grow, I think it's a mistake just because especially depending on your body type, you probably need all the calories you can get. And if you program in an automatic 16 hours out of the day where you're not going to be able to eat, you're, you're giving yourself a, a, a big steep hill to climb up. And I don't think an added degree of difficulty is necessarily worth it. If you're in prep or you're trying to cut down, I think intermittent fasting is okay as long as you've got it worked in as uh, you know your feeding window and your training time coincide. Um, I think to do so otherwise is a mistake um, if you're trying to operate at a high level. Um, if you're if you're just like a weekend banger and you're like, hey, I'm going to go do my stuff, all right, cool, yep, and you, you know, you're not really – looking to maximize. I mean, it's, it's about muscle quality. It's about density. It's not just retention. If you're focusing on the, the latter muscle retention. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think you're fine there. If you're focusing more on the quality of muscle, the, the density, the thickness, the hardness, the separation, you know, the things that we're concerned about more in bodybuilding, you got to have good pre-workout nutrition. You've got to have good post-workout nutrition. So it's all about degrees, but I don't think, you know, it's not a hard and fast answer, but if you're looking to be hardcore and I would say, you know, whether you're looking to compete in, you know, men's bodybuilding or bikini, um, figure, something like that. I mean, you know, muscle quality counts in all of those divisions in all divisions across the competitive landscape. And to undersell that, I think is a mistake. So, um, I would say if you are competing, that should be your focus. And therefore you need to make sure that your nutrition is timed. Um, you need to be able to bring it in all caps and underlined every single day in the gym. Um, and if you think you can do that while training fasted, then we just don't have a proper understanding of what it really means to bring it. Um, because if you're really bringing it at a high level, you will know uh, the difference when you're training with nutrients in your system and when you're training fasted. So um, thoughts on uh, HMB. Let me give this a stab here. <clears throat> Hold on. Whew. All right, here goes. Beta-hydroxy-betal-methylbutyrate. 
there you go. HMB. Uh, why is it called HMB? Because uh, if, if I'm looking at that name, I would call it BHBMB. Um, but you know, that's just me. I am not a scientist. Um, what, what has it been shown to do? You know, it's one of those things that is not, has been, has not been disproven that it does nothing <laughs> or it has not been proven that it does nothing. That was like a quadruple negative in that sentence. Um, it is, uh, not been proven to be worthless. Um, it has also not been proven in any studies to really be all that valuable. The most, the most of the studies, there was one, um, that was recently in, uh, the, uh, in sports medicine, which is a, uh, uh, I believe that's a peer review journal, um, has a small impact, um, on untrained athletes or those that are just getting started. Um, so for those that have been at it for a while, um, might you get, uh, some, some mileage out of this? Well, you might, is it worth it? Probably not. I mean, it's going to be a small little thing. And so if you're looking at, you know, spending 20 to 40 bucks, um, for, you know, capsules or powdered HMB, you're, you're not going to get 20 or 40 bucks worth of mileage out of it. So, uh, now the other one, um, so you, uh, good stab at it. So this is Yohimbine, which comes from the Yohimb tree. So that's the, the confusion between those two. So Yohimb, which is Y-O-H-I-M-B, that is the name of the tree, um, which is an, an African tree. And the chemical that is extracted from that tree is Yohimbine. That is the, the actual chemical. So, um, this, this is a common ingredient in, um, in uh, thermogenics, in, in weight loss supplements, etc., it's not typically the most active ingredient. Usually, that's going to be you know caffeine, CLA, something like that. But it is something that is commonly included in all of those because it does have some fat loss properties, mild though they are. So it's another one of those things. Like, should you supplement with that? No. But if you want to take a, a fat loss supplement or a thermogenic, it's probably going to be in there, and it's fine. You know, it doesn't doesn't do anything negative. Now it, it was. Um, Let's see. Uh, it was previously uh, a prescription drug um, for ED treatments, um, but ever since like Viagra came around, it's kind of not not really so much anymore. Um, it's uh, actually not approved for use in Germany. Also, um, I'm not sure why, but it's not. Um, so yeah, uh, neither of those supplements, Yohimbing or HMB, are things that I would actively seek out. Um, HMB, you're typically not going to find as ingredients in other products that I'm aware of. Yohimbing absolutely is, and at that point, you know, I wouldn't actively seek to avoid it. Certainly not. Um, you know. It, it, it will, you know, it has a marginal benefit. You know, it's kind of like, you know, a couple degrees, a couple percentage points. You know, it's not not a game changer, certainly not, but it is an active ingredient. You know, if you look at those thermogenic products, you know, most of them have a laundry list of ingredients. That's one of them. Um, how, how much of an impact does any one of those have over another? Ugh, it's impossible to say. Um, all of the studies indicate that, okay, yeah, it does something, but it doesn't do a whole lot. So um, great questions, though. And we've got another one. So let's jump to it from another familiar voice. Aaron from Illinois. Um, I was calling. I was wondering if you could explain the difference in form and the muscle hit in um, a split squat and a lunge. Um, they seem pretty similar, but I know that they're they're also pretty different. So I'd appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. Aaron, thank you. Good question. So yeah, they are very similar. Absolutely. Um, 
So let, let's talk it through just for those um, who may be listening or like, what? Or maybe you didn't understand. I don't know. So a split squat, like a, a split squat is basically a stationary lunge, one foot in front of the other. Um, and so, you you know, if you look at your center of gravity, you've got one foot well in front of your center of gravity, one foot well behind your center of gravity. And then you're just basically it's a down and up movement. A lunge, we all know, and um, for purposes of, of the argument here, I'm going to say that we're talking about a walking lunge where it's one step forward, down. Bring the other foot forward in front, down. So we're actually you know, traversing some distance here. A split squat you could very easily do in a Smith machine, which obviously you're not going to pick that up and, and carry it with you. Um, so it's intended to be a stationary movement. So um, the difference here, the, the main difference um, it, it, is... You know, there's good benefit. Both of them are useful. Both of them are, are beneficial, and I certainly will program in both um, at times. Um, another uh, alternative here is uh, a step back lunge, which is another movement that you could do in a Smith machine. It's intended to be stationary, but you're taking a step back with one foot and going down and then coming back up, um, and then often we'll alternate legs, so then the other leg will go back, but you're coming back to the same set point. The bar isn't going back and forward, so it's appropriate to do it in a Smith machine. It's just your step stepping back to generate that hip flexion on the front leg that remains in front, really drive through and activate the glute there. So um, with a uh, stationary split squat, and again, let's just visualize this in a Smith machine, you're going to be set up so that the bar is in line with your center of gravity, which is going to be about your torso. Um, you've got one foot that's out in front, one foot that's back behind. You've got to make sure that your stride length is long enough so that your hips and knees have freedom to move a little bit. Try this. You're in a Smith machine. Now put like one foot, a foot in front of you, one foot a foot behind you. That was way too many times for the word foot in one sentence. Um, and try and go down. See how far you get. Everything's kind of jumbled up. Your ankle mobility isn't there. Your knees and hips are all jammed up. So you've got to elongate your stride length a little bit. Now, you can go a lot longer than is necessarily productive, but I've been experimenting with that a little bit, and I kind of like that too, um, where you have a really, really long stride, and so everything is stretched, and you're kind of it's more of like a pulse movement than anything else. Um, I think there's some value in that. But let's say it's just a moderate stride length um, so you can get some good range of motion but that foot out in front of you um, what you'll notice then is when you come up um, take a snapshot and look at your body's positioning there so it's kind of like an upside down Y where um, you know you've got your torso and then there's a branch going down where there's one leg in front and one leg in back well what that one leg in front means uh, how it's 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 still you've got your hips still in a flexed position there even when you're all the way up um, so uh, flexed hip, I mean, like if you're sitting down, your hip is flexed at a 90 degree angle. If you're standing up, your hips are extended at a 180 degree angle. Um, so when you're in a fairly a moderate um, stride length split squat, your, your hip is still going to be flexed at about like a 140 degree angle. So it's not getting fully extended. Well, what is the primary thing that extends the hip? It's the glute. So um, a split squat is not going to hit the glute as hard because it's limiting your range of motion on that a little bit. Um, now, conversely, the other thing that happens here, and the one thing that I like to do with a split squat, is try to develop equal um, force recruitment from both the front leg and the back leg. Now, on the front leg, you're going to drive through the, the heel and you're going to try and activate the glute as much as you can. Understanding the range of motion is a little bit limited. But on the back leg, I also want you really driving through the ball of that foot and focusing on flexing and extending the knee to make the quad on the back leg work. So this is a movement that really requires some good coordination because you've got one side of your body doing one thing and the other side of your body doing another thing, and you're going to try and maximize the muscle recruitment from opposing groups on different sides of the body at the same time. You know, 
everybody's like, I can do a split squat. Great. But think about all that and see if you can really make it maximally effective. It's difficult. It's tricky. It's a tough move. Um, so the difference with a lunge is um, we can really get a lot more glute activation and a much greater range of motion when we're doing a walking lunge. So think, um, you know, now take your split squat and take it out of the Smith machine and just put some dumbbells in your hand. So you come up at the top of your split squat, but now you pick up that back foot and step forward with it. Well, what happens to the foot that was in front? Well, that hip extends all the way. And then as it becomes the back foot, now the hip gets, um, hyper extended on that side. Um, and it gives you a chance to really, if you want to really squeeze the glute on that back leg as it becomes less active. Um, so that's really where the money comes on a walking lunge. I mean, it's that, forward propulsion that puts the hip through a much greater range of motion that really increases your ability to um, really fire the glute through a greater range of motion. Now, none of that ha happens automatically. You know, it's not like, oh, a walking lunge is going to give you much better glute development than a split squat will. It can, but you've got to think about it and you've got to trigger that activation in your head and you've got to make that stuff fire and squeeze and you've got to be aware of it. Um, it's, it's like what I tell people before, if you're doing a lat pull down, yeah, you can do the movement, but if you actually know how to flare and engage your lats and you think about that as you're doing the movement, you can make it way more effective rather than just going through the motions and be like, okay, well, because I'm pulling this thing down, then clearly my lats are doing some of the work here, but I don't feel it. Same thing. Don't assume that your glutes are working just because you're doing a walking lunge. You've got to actively squeeze them and make those suckers fire. But um, that's the difference between the two. It's about you know a more restrictive range of motion. And I would say the... Um, the split squat is uh, probably a little bit more comprehensive just because you are going to be working in that back leg a little bit more. I also have a slightly easier time feeling the hamstrings activate on a split squat. Um, for me, if I, if I am doing a walking lunge and I think about that front leg and I think about digging that heel into the ground and really using that leg as I come up to pull my body forward, I can get a little bit more hamstring recruitment in there and really feel it. But that's one of those things where I really need to like have my hands on my hammy so I can feel it contracting to really get get a clue on what's going on in there. Um, it's just, you know, everybody has muscle groups where they're feeling it more or less. Um, like it's really easy for me to dial in on what blah is doing, but it's a lot harder for me to connect with blah. Um, so for me, it's hamstrings and lo and behold, that's why my hamstrings are underdeveloped um, because it's hard for me to get that connection in there. I've got to think about every single rep of pretty much every hamstring exercise and be totally focused and engaged in it because otherwise they're going to check out. They're just going to go through the motions and I'm not going to get as much out of it. Um, so for me, if I can palpate the muscle, like put a hand on it and feel it when I'm doing a walking lunge, I can get that hamstring going, but that means like, okay, well, means I can only really do them unweighted if I really want to maximize my hamstring recruitment in there. Cause I, I still, I need that in there, but I also feel like if I'm focusing on, you know, really, really, um, accentuating the range of motion and getting as much out of every phase of the movement as I can, as far as muscle recruitment is concerned, I don't necessarily need to add a lot of weight to it. Like I can, I can make things hurt just doing body weight, walking lunges. So, um, there you go. That's, uh, that's, that's my, my take on that. So hopefully that helps. Um, and hopefully that made sense and was not, uh, didn't just compound the issue, but if I did, Hey, you know what? You can always call back and let me know. So um, that, that's, that's all I got for today. Now my, um, my landscapers have taken off, so I think they're taking a break for lunch. Um, uh, I posted a couple, I posted a video on my Instagram story earlier today. Um, just showing the, basically my backyard looks like a rock quarry. They've dropped off all this flagstone 
stuff back here. It was two truckloads. It was several tons of it. And uh, now it's just slowly, slowly getting worked into position here. Um, they're using some different shape things. So some are like four inch by eight inch bricks. Some of them are like 12 by 12 stones. And then they have some larger pieces as well. And they're putting it together in kind of a random pattern. Um, so uh, I'm really excited, really excited to have this done. Um, and we need that fire pit now because it's cold as hell out here. So, or, or at least it has been. It was kind of, you know, it was 29 degrees when I took Taz for a, uh, a walk this morning. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm so over this. I'm not, not a fan, not a fan. Um, what else is going on? You know, just one other thing. So I've got the raffle going on still. We're going to keep that going for, for now, and I'll probably do a drawing on that pretty quick. I've got a few names here. So, oh, Aaron, I almost forgot. Aaron, i got to add your name. Onto the post-it note and tear it away. There we go. Cool. Um, so I did start another raffle. Now this is one that I just do for clients, but uh, basically uh, I, I sent out an email to all my clients yesterday. <laughs> it said basically like, "Hey, I'm lazy, and y'all post some good stuff, and I've got some free stuff I can give away." So. Um, Post something on Instagram that is shareworthy, and if I share it, your name goes into a drawing at the end of the month. Somebody wins something. So um, just uh, you know, be, be on the lookout if you're if you're following me on Instagram. You'll see a lot more stuff from clients um, coming up on there. I'm thinking I think I'm uh, pitching my case to to help uh, help get them to contribute a little bit to my own feed because I am that lazy. Yes, yes, I am. Um, anyway, I appreciate all listening. Thanks. Um, happy Valentine's Day to you and yours. So um, if you are in prep for a show right now. And and you are under 10 weeks out, hey, I'm sorry. Sucks to be you. The rest of you, take your significant other out tonight. Have a glass of wine. Enjoy that. I might do the same. Um, I don't think we'll go out, but uh, might might bust open a little wine tonight and enjoy that. So anyway, um, it's a good time to, uh, to, to hang out with the people that are important to you, whether that's a spouse, significant other, other kind of loved one, family, good friends, whatever. Um, as I said before, um, appreciate the people around you and don't take them for granted and let them know, let them know also. So, um, thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. I'll check back in on Monday. Probably we'll see how things are going.